All right. How's everybody doing? All right, that's good. Everybody's good, yes. All right. So um, we're going to finish. We never really made it through the introduction last month. So we just got a short bit of the introduction to do. And uh, we'll get into, into the book. You know, we're going to be um, talking about the gospel tonight. You know, the good news, if you, if you guys haven't heard. Um, the only good news that there is. But um, before we do that, um, I'm going to pray. And then um, I'm gonna, uh, Tom's going to play um, a song over the, um, the system. The name of the song is The Gospel by Ryan Stevens, and it's, um, you know, it's really a cool song about the gospel, what it means to him and what it means to us. And then I, I want to try to do something maybe a little different when that's over. I'd like to get your input. What do you think? What does the gospel mean to you? We're going to spend some time talking about it because Paul um, dedicated his whole life to, 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 to protect it, to guard it, to, um, to preach it, to... to be obedient to spread the gospel. So um, we'll just see how things turn out, and then we'll get um, into the word, uh, this part of the word. All right, Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the worship, Lord, and we know that you inhabit the praises of your saints, God. We know that you're here, uh, Lord, and um, we want you to be an active part of all that we do tonight. Holy Spirit, lead us, um, teach us, And um, Lord, uh, just build us up and edify us as well. And Lord, just thinking while I was sitting back there, you know, there's um, um, a lot of a lot of folks on the prayer chain, a lot of people recovering from illnesses, um, people that aren't doing well, uh, Lord. And um, we just want to lift them to you. You know who they are. You know um, their situations. You know the needs they have. The um, the things that they face, God, and we just want to put them in your hands because we know there's no better place for them to be. So we just entrust them to you, God, and pray that you would do a work through all of those needs, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And so, Tom, if you want to play that. We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home Skeptic, it might sound crazy to believe in a God who loves. In a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in the mess we've made, like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. It's the good news for us all It's greater than religion 
It's the power of the cross. So can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love. Amen. The gospel that makes a way. Wow, it's awesome. I like that the way, um, you know, those are his thoughts put together, put to music about the gospel. And, you know, it's, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. The gospel. Where would we be without it? And, uh, you know, we're going to see and we know that, um, you know, Paul um, dedicated his life after he got saved to preaching the gospel and eventually would give his life for the gospel. You know, what a commitment. So um, if anybody feels comfortable in just a few words, if you want to just kind of, you know, what does the gospel mean to you? I mean, we're all here. We're saved because of the gospel, right? The good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, we know how Ryan Stevens feels about it. <laughs> you know, to the lost, it's, it's you, know, there's, you know, it's being found. You know, so anybody want to just share a, a quick sentence or two, or we'll just move on if you don't. I could throw the microphone at you, and you could, we can hear you. No? 
Pastor Richard's itching. All right, hold on, Rich. Stay right there. Because I think this works over there. Yeah, I always wanted to do this, like, you know, one of those talk show hosts. But this is, this is church, man. This is even better. Go ahead, Rich. I like it. Well, to me, um, I like the refrain, the gospel makes a way. And as I think about it, we get so bombarded by the social media and, and all that. With, and if you really pay attention, it's usually not good news. But the gospel is good news. And so that's where I go for encouragement. No matter what is going on, whether I consider it good or bad, the gospel just encourages the good and minimizes the bad. That's what I like about it. And uh, I, I just want to live there. You know, and uh, once upon a time, that wasn't my mindset, but that was then, this is now. And uh, I love it. I love the gospel. That's why I, I love the word. I love worship, you know, and just words of encouragement. That's what the gospel means to me. Anybody else, Steve? <clears throat> you know, life is not always easy, but Amen. but sometimes as you go through it, you find that God's always got something for you, and the gospel is the good news, and it's worth it. No matter what life throws at you, it's worth it, because you know, I one of my many shirts is. Being a Christian isn't easy, but the retirement benefits are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Steve. Anybody else, Matt? You don't have anything to say? Right. Aubrey. There's, I know there's a first, right, Mark? <laughs> well, okay, so first of all, the very fact that I'm doing this and I'm not like this timid little nutshell person anymore, I think that has a lot to do with the gospel because Pastor Rob was saying this morning, once you know who you are in Christ and you're confident in him, like he can make you who he really intends for you to be. And I, I feel like to me that is the gospel because I think of all the myriad different possibilities of what I would be if I wasn't with him, but I think that the basic fact is I probably wouldn't be alive. Because I just there would be so much unhappiness and trying to fight my way out of that, and so that's the gospel to me is just like I have this amazing, wonderful life that is only explained by Jesus. Amen. Yep. Pastor Mark. Okay, no baseball talk. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it's the account of what the good news that Jesus did to fix what was broken and it is the thing that the only thing that can bring chaos out of order so it's it's what makes things that don't make sense uh, correct it's, it's the only thing that brings life life and death light and darkness hope amen amen anybody else Tom, does this work back there? Oh, all right. <clears throat> to me, the gospel is, uh, is my life because every time I think about the gospel and I read the gospel, it's all about Jesus and what he did for us. But more than that, it's an aspiration of mine to be like him 
in this life and to latch on to him and follow him and keep him in my heart forever. And that's what that gospel means to me. Yeah, you know, while we were yet sinners, he died for us, right? So the gospel, the gospel makes a way. And that's, um, that makes the way for us to get to Jesus, to get our life on track. So, praise the Lord. Hey, thanks for sharing, guys. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, the gospel, I mean, we're all different, right? But, you know, it's the gospel that pulls us all together, and you know it's you know we we go we come become we go from a, being an individual and God plugs us into the body of Christ, you know. And we sure we have different backgrounds. We um, we got here all got here in a different way, a different avenue, if you will. Uh, but it was the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved us. And we're going to see as we get into Galatians that um, you know Paul is. Um, is, is just not going to let the Judaizers um, pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, just um, a few, um, I don't know, disclaimers or warnings. Um, I might tend to, you know, to repeat myself tonight. Uh, some of this stuff uh, Paul um, repeats because, you know, it's the, the emphasis that he's putting on it and the point that he's trying to drive home, that, that this just isn't any other message. You know, the gospel is from above. This isn't something that man concocted or came up with. Um, that the gospel is from above. It's from the Lord. So there was a few things that we didn't get to last time. We'll... we'll um, We'll get those done, and then we'll move right into verse 1. But like I said, you know, um, there's one thing, a phrase that will be repeated probably throughout is that, you know, that kind of summarizes uh, the subject in Galatians, and that's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel, the reality of the gospel. Unlike Romans, which presents the gospel as an answer to universal uh, human sinfulness. Galatian clarifies the gospel message against the subtle but ever deadly danger of works salvation, merit-based salvation. And I, you know, I'm looking out, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys know that you can't earn your salvation, so that doesn't um, that doesn't take you know that doesn't get us off the hook though. Right, Ephesians uh, chapter two, verses eight through ten. You know, you, you know, we don't work for our salvation, um, but one thing you can do is you can live it. Right, you can live out your salvation. You can live out your faith. Ephesians two, verses eight through ten. Paul says, "For by the for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, salvation, we can't add to it. We can't take away from it. 
But there's, um, you know, there's a, comes a responsibility with it, right? As a believer, you know, who do we represent? We represent the king, right? So there's, um, there's some behavior involved in that. There's some conduct, right, by, for us. You know, so um, we're saved by grace, but, you know, there's some, some expectations. And I'll, I'll kind of leave it there. You guys could sort that out. <laughs> No sinner has ever been granted eternal life based on his works. Okay, to make matters worse, everyone who lives by such a confidence in works, guess what, is cursed. Right, because no one can perfectly obey the law. We're going to see when we get to chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who does not continue and all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So with that said, to add works, rituals, or traditions, or the law to the message of what it takes to become a Christian is to overturn or to cancel out the good news. And uh, Pastor Rob mentioned uh, the traditions this morning. So we don't have to talk a whole lot about that. But, you know, you know that, um, you know, Back in the first century, the Jews, really, the traditions were critical to them, very important. They put them above the scriptures in, in some instances. And if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, right, you know that, that song, Traditions, right? You know, he talks about the whole thing is about the traditions of the family, right? How they, you know, they were just so important. But not when it comes to the gospel, uh, the proper place of the law is to convict us of our sin, demonstrating to us the urgent need for the redemption provided by Jesus Christ. In chapter 3 of Galatians, in verse 24, it says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, that we are no longer under the tutor. There was a purpose for the law. Now that we're saved, um, you know, um, we, don't need, we don't need to adhere to the law. So here's a question. What then is the basic gospel that Paul goes to such lengths to clarify and safeguard? And really to answer that is the only way we can be justified before God is by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, like I said, is going to lay his life down to, to secure that. In verse uh, 16 of chapter 2 of Galatians, it says, Knowing that a man, or no one, is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we, it's pretty cool, Paul includes himself, and we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh or no one shall be justified. So Paul emphasizes the point over and over and over again. Faith in Christ, nothing more, nothing less. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus Christ and the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul underscores faith in Christ because 
the controversies in Galatia raged around the reception of the gospel and the lives of new believers. And think about, you know, what really um, is going on here. You guys remember, uh, we talked about this last time um, in Acts uh, 13 and 14, Paul's first missionary journey. They go back to Antioch and, you know, they're just fellowshipping with the church and, you know, in comes these Judaizers adding to the gospel, adding to the gospel. And, uh, you know, they just, Paul wasn't going to, you know, stand by, stand by for that. Um, you know, they go down to Jerusalem. The Jerusalem Council settles the issue. And, um, you know, of course, that issue um, was settled in, a, in a, like a, a formal way. But, you know, the, it's not like the Judaizers said, oh, okay, you guys are right. We're never going to do it again. You know, the perversion and the perverting of the gospel still um, went on. All right, so Paul in different ways describes this life of faith um, that we see in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 5. Paul says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but faith working through love. So not only is justification by faith alone, but so is sanctification. You know, us, us being sanctified, um, obviously, it, it's, it takes faith. So Paul describes in different ways, he describes this life of faith. So I want to just look at a few, and these are kind of summary going, you know, going a little bit ahead in the book, but just to give you an idea where Paul, where his head's at and his heart's at. Paul describes this life of faith as walking in the Spirit. Uh, chapter 5, verses 16 and verse 25, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Paul describes the life of faith by being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.18 But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul describes this life of faith by um, exhibiting or manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. In the last one, Paul describes this life of faith by sowing to the Spirit. Chapter 6, verse 8, For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Sounds pretty good, right? Sow to the Spirit, reap everlasting life. So like Steve said, he's got an awesome retirement plan, right? The gospel. Eternal life with the Lord. All right. So here's the caution. There is, <laughs> there is this ever-present danger that rather than relying upon the power of the Spirit, the believer, which could be us, um, might start relying on the corrupt works of the flesh. 
I think we've all been there, right? Sometimes without even realizing it, um, you know, you're working for it, and in reality, you don't need to. You know, we need to be aware of that. Works can truly, um, works can be truly good only when they're accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's in verses 7 through 10 in chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whoever, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he sows to the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. All right, so the good news. Is there such a thing as good news? Something that Pastor Richard mentioned. Um, you know, there's not a lot of good news out there. You know, there's, um, you know, every once in a while there's, you know, some kind of fluffy thing in the news, uh, you know, a human, human interest story, something that kind of lightened the load with all of the, you know, the news that we do here. But, you know, the world is, is filled with issues, trouble, right? And it's not like it's, it's not like it's back on the upslope. It's, you know, it's on a downslope, right? There's more and more, uh, things are becoming more and more difficult to find good news. Uh, but if you're looking in the right place, you could find it. Here it is, the good news, the Bible, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is found um, in the gospel and in the person who has trusted in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. The good news, the gospel. It's the good news that sinners can be forgiven and have a personal relationship with Jesus. The good news of salvation through faith in Christ is the most important message in the world. It's more important than the Green New Deal. Um, it's more important than anything that you're going to hear on TV, right? Um, you know, it's more important than getting rid of your gas stove. You know, the gospel is the message that the world needs to hear. And what a privilege to think that God has entrusted that to us. You know, it's amazing. I think Aubrey said it, you know, that, you know, where would she be without, you know, without the gospel, without Jesus Christ in her life? God has entrusted that to us, and he's made those promises to us. So it's a, it's a message that the world needs to hear. And there's a good reason why it's called the good news, because it frees us from the bondage of the law, the good news ushers us in to the grace of God and in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And um, man, we could go around the room again and talk about what that means, but we'd be here a little longer than trying to share what the gospel was. But man, think about it. Think of the impact that the gospel has had on your life. It's transformed you. It's transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of us quicker than others, but that's okay, right? I mean, it's you know we're all we're all headed for the, to the same place. So you know it's it's the gospel. So you know what's Paul facing here? Paul. Um, is facing these false teachers who were infiltrating the church in Galatia and other places. Um, these are the churches that Paul had planted. So um, I don't know if this would even... Well, I mean, these, these churches in Galatia were special to Paul. I mean, these were, you know, on his first missionary journey... Um, I guess the best way for me to explain it, I, when I first got saved... And I started meeting other Christians. It was just something about it. You know, or if you're someplace and you meet somebody and you find out they're a believer, there's just like that connection, right? And all of a sudden, you know, like your family. You know, this is Paul's family. You know, these are, um, these are churches that, that he came. These are, I mean, one of these churches stoned him and dragged him out into the <laughs> out for dead, right? But still, their family. He, you know, he. What did he do? He went right back in. He loved these folks. He loved these people because he, you know he knew that God had called him to minister to them, and the message that he he brought to them, the gospel, set them free. Set them free from the bondage that they were in to sin, whatever kind of sin it was. And now, here comes these Judaizers that are trying to pervert that gospel, that message. You know, they're trying to pull them away, um, literally um, coming to try to pull them out of the arms of Jesus, if you will. You know, like, it's like, get out, give me, you're coming back here, no. And Paul is saying, oh no, that's not going to happen. And you know, guys, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of heart we need to have because the reality is without the church being that voice, how, are, how, how, how is the world going to hear that there is a way, that there's a way out of their, the mess that they've made of their life, out of the mess that they see in society, I think Aubrey said it that, you know, there's like no, there was no hope without Christ, the way things were going. You know, there's, people are lost. And God wants us to have this kind of heart to where we're, you know, we're going to stand in the gap. And we're going to, you know, we're going to share the gospel. And, you know, we're going to get the word out, regardless of, you know, what it's going to cost us. You know, these Judaizers, they were teaching the three rules of religion, the three R's. Rules, regulation, and rituals. That's religion. That's religion. So the gospel message had changed Paul's life and through him the lives of the folks that are in these churches that, that, um, that Paul is writing to. 
So the, the message is being under attack. And Paul was out to defend the truth of the gospel. And Paul would die before he would let the legalist infect the church. And that's really what heresy is. It's an infection. It's an infection in the church. It's an infection. It's infecting the truth. They're trying to. Okay? So as we read Paul's letter to the Galatian Christians, um, we can tell immediately, right from the very beginning of Paul's letter, we're going to see that something is radically wrong. Because Paul doesn't open this letter uh, with the usual praise to God and a prayer for the saints. Paul doesn't waste any time. You know, he's about to engage in this battle for the truth of the gospel and the liberty of the Christian life. So he's not, um, he's not going to ease into this. He's going to jump right in. And I don't have to tell you guys, the stakes are high, right? Paul's got, you know, he's just got to get to the point. So let's get into the first couple verses, and I'm not sure how far we'll get tonight, but um, we're not in a hurry. If the rapture happens, we can finish this in glory, right? I think we'll understand it a little bit more if that were the case, but all right. So Paul, an apostle, um, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with, uh, with me to the churches of Galatia. So we all know Paul. We talked about that when we kind of read through Acts 13 and 14. Um, Acts 9, we saw how Paul got saved, and uh, you know, miraculously. Um, and he's going to drive that point home that, um, about how he got saved. Um, and right from the very beginning, he, he, he says, um, Paul, an apostle. So Paul insists um, that this call as an apostle was a divine call, right? What does he say? Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You know, Paul is dealing with it right up front. These guys are saying that Paul's a fraud, that Paul got this message, maybe snuck up to Jerusalem and talked to the apostles or, you know, got this message from somewhere, but it certainly wasn't the right message. So they're really calling um, his credibility, his authority to deliver the message in the question. So the first verse, he's telling them, right there, you know, I, I didn't get, I'm not an apostle because Peter laid his hands on me. I'm an apostle because Jesus knocked me off my donkey on the way to Damascus. That's why I'm an apostle, not because somebody told me this stuff, because Jesus ministered to me. He taught me. So I, I, I am an apostle. I fit the credentials to be an apostle. So Paul's not, he's not wasting any time with these guys. Um, you know, an apostle is one who was sent with a commission. And the 12 apostles were sent out by Jesus. Uh, part of being an apostle was uh, witnessing the resurrected Christ. And obviously in chapter 9 of Acts, Paul um, meets that criteria. 
not from men, but through Jesus Christ. That's so awesome. You know, Paul defends his apostleship. And, you know, I'll take some spiritual license here. You know, because how many times have you said something where, you know, you're sharing the gospel and somebody says to you, you know, how can you say that? I mean, did you go to Bible school? Did you, you know, how, you know, how, you know, but... It, we, this is all you know. This is all we're talking about. I'm not. We're not saying anything new, you know. So you, I mean, even when we share the gospel, when we share the word of God, we have the same. Well, I'm not going to stop talk about apostolic authority or whatever. But you know what? You're. I mean, God has called you to do it, right? So God has called you to be that minister, and you know we need to have confidence in that. You know. If we believe that the gospel is the way and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that that's true, and we know that that's what people need to get saved, that's what people need to prevent them from dying and dropping into hell, then, you know, then we should be confident and bold with that. Not cocky, not rude, but confident. To look somebody in the eye and tell them that Jesus loved them so much that, that he died for them. So Paul makes it really clear that, um, that he's, he's, he's been commissioned by, by Jesus. And it, and it mentions that towards the end of that verse, who raised him from the dead. So Paul includes this fact um, to show that the risen and ascended Christ himself appointed him. So it goes without saying that Paul was qualified as a witness of the resurrection. We know that we talked about the churches that were in Galatia, um, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, Antioch of Poseidon. So that's where you know, these churches are. Verses 3 through 5 says, Grace to you in peace. From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that, we, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. So, Paul's deep concern over the church's deflect, defection um, from the gospel is evident from his greeting, and it like I said, it lacks like the customary um, commendations and courtesies. So usually Paul would begin his letter in one of two ways. To the Romans and the Philippians, to Titus and Philemon, he introduced himself as a servant or a prisoner of Christ. To the Corinthians, the Ephesians, to the Colossians and the Galatians, he presented himself as an apostle. So why did he do that? Because those who embraced and welcomed him or welcomed his ministry, to those guys, he was a servant. But to those who challenged his authority, he was an apostle, a sent one of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul is really has to... and. You know, Paul was always the least of, right? Paul never, I mean, he wasn't a braggart or whatever, but he really has to establish um, his, his position, his authority um, in this particular instance, and that's what he's doing. 
So he starts out and it's, you know, grace and peace. Grace to you and peace. And right from the, just Paul's greeting, he attacked the Judaizers' legalistic system. Think about it for a second. If salvation is by works as they claim, and it is not of grace, and cannot, then it cannot result in peace. And since no one can be sure he has enough good works um, to be eternally secure, there is just no peace in that. There is no peace in thinking every day when you get up, are you going to do enough to get to heaven? Am I going to do enough to please God? You know, so right from the beginning, you know, obviously, <laughs> this is kind of a, an obvious statement, you know, it's, Paul is just so led by the Lord. I mean, you know, just the, the way he's addressing these guys, even in, you know, his greeting, he's kind of giving them a, a little nudge about the whole thing about grace, because they're saying it's, it, it's not about grace, it's about works. You know, you can be a Christian Gentile, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give in to the law of Moses. You gotta follow the traditions. You know, you can have Jesus, but we got some other stipulations that you're gonna have to follow. And Paul is saying, no, 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 that's not gonna work. There's, you know, outside of Christ, there is no assurance for anything. And you know, when I found out that you know that I was saved by grace, that like was whoa. You know, it was. It took me a while to kind of digest it. Like, you mean I don't have to? You mean I don't have to? I mean, there's. I mean, I don't have to. There's not something I got to do. I mean, this is all I have to do is just confess the Lord in my life and you know just follow Him. You know, I mean, we were all brought up, right? There was always you had to do something: do the dishes, make your bed. You know, whatever. You had, just to get into good graces of mom and dad, right? Don't talk back. You're, I mean, you were doing something, all right? So, but now it's, it's like amazing, like, wow, I'm set free from all of that. All right, let me get back on track. All right, verses four and five. And it says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's how Paul closes out his greeting to the church. But, boy, that's it's quite a bit there. Um, you know, who gave himself for our sins. No one can avoid sin by human effort or keeping the law. Nobody can. And Paul is making that point. For he gave himself for our sins, all right, that he might that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Romans three twenty tells us, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Therefore, sin has to be forgiven, which Christ accomplished through his atoning death on the cross. Galatians 3.13 tells us, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let me read that again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Doesn't that kind of like 
get like little goosebumps, you know, when you think that he, you know, think about that. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us. We're redeemed. And having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So it's just amazing when you take the time to just read through um, this first chapter. And I didn't get too far out. You know, I asked you guys to read the whole, read the book a couple times between now and our last time. I was stuck in chapter one, you know, just kind of reading it and just following, you know, all of the different little rabbit trails that you can get on. But this is just so freeing, just so amazingly true. This present evil age. So the Greek word for age doesn't refer to a period of time, but an order or a system, right? And in particular to the current world system ruled by Satan, right? You know, a lot of people think that that's, you know, it's, it's kind of it gets hokey, right? But it's the truth. Satan is, is the god of this world. And we're in a battle, right? He came to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus said that he came to give us life and give it more abundantly. And when we became a Christian, we kind of signed up that we're, you know, we're, we're in the fight. Which is okay, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, right? I mean, it's, and it's, um, it's exciting. It is exciting. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. So God has delivered us from that that world of darkness, that power of darkness. That world system, you know, it's the system out there that um, that tells you if you buy the right toothpaste, life is going to be great. If you use the right detergent, life's going to be great. If you go here to get your hair cut, life's going to be great. If you use this kind of, you know, I mean, it's just, there's a system that tries to inflate your ego. Or there's this system that tells you, what to do or how to do it and when to do it. You know, there's just a, the system out there that just wants to control every aspect of your life. And it isn't recent, obviously. I mean, we're more aware of now of the government trying to do that. But there's always been um, this system that, that's there. And, um, you know, I... I um, on Saturday morning, um, Pastor Richard mentioned Michael Peace when he was sharing. And uh, Michael was in, um, he, has, he has a communications degree. And um, years ago, he would tell me, he said, Dave, you know, the way that, you know, that they advertise for these items and the way they do things, um, it's, all, it's all directed to pull you in. You know, and, you know, there, there's a system, there is a philosophy there to pull you in, to buy into what they're trying to sell you. And, you know, that's, um, that's the system that Jesus has delivered us from. 
you know, now we operate in a dis different system. It's, it's called, it's called um, what could we call the system that, we, that we're called into, right? Christianity. Uh, we're called into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the family of God. You know, we, we, we function in a realm that is totally different than the world, right? You know, Jesus Christ is our king. You know, he's the one that we follow. You know, the word of God is, um, is the book that we rely on. For This is our standard of truth. So, um, you know, this is, where we, this is where we get our marching orders. This is really our guide for life. You know, a totally different system, different um, ideology, to say the least. This, you know, the, the word of God as opposed to the world. So the world changes, we know, right? Every day. The philosophy changes, but the word of God is consistent and true. Almost makes it easier to make that choice of who to follow. The world system has nothing to offer us. It makes promises that are just empty. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world. And I took the liberty in parentheses, at least in my notes. So I, I read it this way. Do not love or do, do not have a loyalty or a commitment to the world or to the things in the world. If anybody loves or has a loyalty or a commitment to the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Boy, what a difference. You know, there's... There's, um, there's def a definite end in living for the world, right? But there is no end serving God, right? Because he who does the will of God abides forever. And in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good an acceptable and perfect will of God. So important for us to, to see the difference, to see the difference. Don't be conformed to the world. And that's exactly what the church in Galatia was doing. They were buying into what these heretics were saying. They were, they were leaving, they were deserting the gospel for a lie. And it was subtle, and they bought into it. It's kind of scary to think that, but wow. So who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, according, according to the will of our God. The sacrifice of Jesus for salvation was the will of God designed and fulfilled for his glory. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 7 tell us that just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame 
before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Jesus' death fulfilled God's will. Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 10. For it is, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, and he quotes Psalm 40, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, and that takes away as he abolishes. So he abolishes the first that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's um, Well, you know what? I'll read verse 6 and 7, and then we'll stop there to give you something to think about. So Paul says, I marvel, and it's almost like, you know, he's like shocked or taken back, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. And if I put in parentheses, yeah, there is not another. There's one gospel. There is one gospel. There is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel of Christ. So turning away is, is better translated deserting. So you've got to try to think about this. You know, Paul is shocked or just marveled. He can't believe it that these people are deserting the truth. How they're deserting, they're, they're turning away from him who called him. Who's him? They're deserting the gospel. They're deserting God. They're deserting Jesus. They're walking away. They're walking away. The form of the Greek verb indicates that the Galatian believers were voluntarily deserting grace to pursue legalism. Now that makes no sense to me at all. Does that make sense to you guys? When you think about that, how could, how could they do that? But that's how deceptive and how subtle the enemy could be. And it's just so, it just drives home the point too of just how committed you have to be to the word of God. Because these guys were fairly new believers, but 
they knew better. They knew the difference. There was, there was something, there was some component here that was missing because they, they, were, led, they were led astray. They voluntarily deserted the grace of God, walked away from the truth of the gospel to go back into legalism. I mean, it's like getting out of Attica after 20 years and getting out the door and then saying, I'm going back. You know, I mean, it, it makes no sense. Just like it doesn't make sense when you look at some of the different ideologies that are out there today that um, make no sense at all, right? So... There's nothing new under the sun. These guys really walked away from the grace of God to, get, to go back into bondage. And it's just, it's just, whoa, it's just crazy. The thing that the Lord kind of impressed on me, and, this, and when I say me, it was for me, was, and I wrote it down, he said, don't let this happen to you. You know, we can't think that we're above this. You know, we need to, you know, we need to tread carefully sometimes because, you know, the enemy, he, you know, he's a lion. He's out there. He just wants to destroy you. And, you know, he'll do it if he gets the opportunity. But staying close to the Lord, um, you know, we heard it um, devotional time. We were talking about this um, Friday um, night and Saturday at the, the couples thing, being in the word of God praying, devotional time. You have to guard that. You have to guard that because you know what? That's, what that, that's our health. That's, um, that's what keeps our minds and our hearts sharp. That's what gives us discernment. You know, those are all things that we need if we want to stay above the fray, if you will, if we, you know, we, where we don't want to, you know, we're not able to be pulled away. You know, it's being in the word of God. It's fellowship. You know, being here at church, interacting with each other, praying for each other. You know, reading through the prayer chain, taking some time to pray. You know, there's so many things that we need to work on. And Paul says it's, you know, so soon, it was so, it was quick, it was easy for them to, to desert the faith. Right, let's stop there and then, you know, we'll pick up on verse 8. And maybe just do a little recap of six and seven, but I don't. It's um, getting past our official time, if there is such a thing. But um, you know, guys, let me just leave you with a thought. We've been entrusted with the the greatest message that there ever was to a world that really wants to hear it. Now, they might not act like it. It might not seem that way. Um, but you know what? They want to hear it because nobody wants to live in bondage. No one wants the uncertainty of life. Nobody, you know, nobody wants to have to take drugs to be... Ha I mean, the world is insane and the... The gospel is bringing sanity to the world. And you know what? You just got to have that mindset. You're the best thing that could happen to somebody. You are. Because you have the good news. You could, 
when, when somebody knocked on my door and sat down in my apartment and shared the gospel with me, that was the best thing that happened to me. And I, and I would have never thought that, but that, that was the, that's what started my life, really, my new life. So, hey, look, you know, be, uh, I, this is going to come out, and I, I really, I mean this, you know, in a good way. But um, I'm trying to figure out how you can um, be proud of the fact that you're a child of the king. You know, I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about a, an acknowledgement that who you belong to, who's, like Pastor Richard said, who's you are, right? Who, you, I mean, we should take, there, there should be so much excitement in that in our life when we realize that and let that, let that motivate you. You know, when you get up in the morning, okay, Lord, you know, what's up? You know, that's, that's what life is for us now. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, you know, forgive me sometimes. I just kind of ramble a little bit. But hopefully, um, you know, Holy Spirit, you interpreted that to these guys. And uh, Lord, um, I just pray they just know my heart. Lord, you know, we, we serve the King and, and that, that means something to us, God. And uh, we, um, we pray, Lord, that, um, that we would um, have an excitement that, and just an outlook on life that, that no one can, can take away or tarnish, Lord. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. Um, you've given us the gospel message to, to share, to live out in our lives, to be a light. And, and truly, a, really a dark world right now, uh, Lord. So um, we just want to be able to make a difference for you and uh, just be a, being a part of uh, your plan to redeem mankind. So we thank you for that. Pray, God, that we can dodge these raindrops on the way out to our cars. Just pray for traveling mercies, Lord, as we go home and that these things would resonate in our lives, that we would look at um, Paul and his commitment to the word, to the gospel, um, you know, his willingness to, to, um, to die for, for the cause of Christ. What a challenge, Lord. So we thank you for that. And Lord, uh, should you give us tomorrow, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do uh, in and through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.